Girlfriends, episode number 218, Coping Through Quarantine with Dr. Jacqueline Brown. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we have a special guest, Dr. Jacqueline Brown, a psychologist who's going to be sharing with us about how to cope through quarantine. We all need help with that. Let's get started. Hey, girlfriends. Thank you for being here. Always happy to connect with you, especially during these days of being more socially isolated, I find I count on things like my regular connections through the podcast and other phone calls with family and with friends and with coworkers more than ever. So I so appreciate you being here. If you are a first-time listener to Girlfriends, welcome. I hope you'll enjoy what we share here and become a regular. If you are a long-time listener, welcome back. Thank you so much for all the ways you support what we do here at Girlfriends. How are you doing? How are you doing through this time of quarantine, through this time of being with your family, with your kids, with your spouse, perhaps more than you ever have been before and in new and challenging ways. This week, I've got a special guest, Dr. Jacqueline Brown. So Jacqueline Brown was on the show previously and in a different capacity because she's also author, a Catholic fiction author. She has written the Light series, and we had a great conversation talking about the importance of Catholic fiction, about her work in particular, several episodes back, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes. But she previously was a full-time psychologist uh, before she became a full-time writer. She has such an interesting story. So, um, she has agreed to come back on and talk specifically about coping through this time of dealing with the threat of COVID-19, dealing with isolation from the people that we love, dealing with quarantine with family members, all of the different kinds of anxieties and challenges that that presents. So had a great conversation with her. I'm going to share that with you in just a few minutes. But first, I want to check in with you. How are you doing? How are you holding up? In what specific ways can I be praying for you? You know I always love to hear from you. I want to invite you to send me at danielle at daniellebean.com whatever specific prayer intentions you might have during this time because I am holding all of you in prayer. I am keeping you in prayer. I'm so grateful and I'm always praying for the members of our Girlfriends community here, but in a special way during these times that are uniquely challenging. One special thing I want to share with you before we dive into our conversation with Dr. Jacqueline Brown is that this past weekend on Palm Sunday, so these record a little bit ahead of time, so it'll be over a week by the time you hear this, but I had a beautiful opportunity to participate in a prayer service at our parish. Our pastor put together this parking lot prayer service where you show up in your car, nobody gets out of their car, so everything's very safe and um, separated, socially distanced. Um, But then you tuned in through your radio and Um, He led us in praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. He led us in Eucharistic adoration and offered a benediction with the Blessed Sacrament. And what a beautiful thing that was. I hadn't given much thought prior to going other than this is a nice opportunity to gather and pray. But first of all, I was really moved by the idea of praying together as a community and realizing how much I missed that and how much we take that for granted 
during normal life, right? During normal times. Um, and also just being in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament was a beautiful thing for me and really stood out to me. And I think that that is what my my prayer is and my hope is for all of us inside of the church, that we can come out of this time of quarantine with a greater appreciation for those everyday blessings, for those things that we tend to take for granted, those graces that we normally have access to, whether it's daily mass or receiving the Eucharist every week or you know, going to confession or gathering with people in our community, even people you don't know. It's meaningful to gather together with people in your community to worship God in the mass. So that's my prayer and that's my hope. And that was my my little thought coming away from that. I was so grateful to our pastor for, for providing that opportunity, for leading us in that way, for being such a, a wonderful spiritual leader in that way. And I've been really praying and I want to invite you to, to pray for our priests because this is a time that's especially challenging for them. They're They've given their lives to, you know, to the church and to being our spiritual leaders. And yet this is a time where it's very difficult to figure out exactly how they can do that. And they're being restricted in in many ways, ways that we can't control and nobody's blaming anybody for that. But it's just a difficult time for them. So let's be praying for our priests, our, our wonderful priests that God has given us, that they will be strong and that God will give them the grace they need to be the kinds of leaders that we need inside of our communities and in our church today. But I don't want to wait any longer to share this conversation that I had with Jacqueline Brown. She's so wonderful and has so many insights to share as a psychologist in that professional capacity, but even just as a fellow mom who's struggling through many of these same things herself. I really enjoyed my conversation with her, and I know you're going to get a lot out of it. So take a listen. Hey, everybody. I am excited to be welcoming back to Girlfriends, a two-time guest now. Jacqueline Brown is joining us. Jacqueline was on the show a couple of months ago talking about Catholic fiction because she's the author of the popular Catholic fiction series, The Light Series. And I loved sharing with her about that. But in her previous life, her alter ego, Jacqueline Brown is a psychologist. And she reached out to me this past week suggesting maybe we could have a conversation where she puts that hat on because I don't know about you. I am definitely feeling like I could use some professional input about some of the things that we're dealing with, especially in the face of the threat of COVID-19 and quarantine, the kinds of changes and adaptations we're having to make these days, these weeks, these months, perhaps. Jacqueline Brown, thank you so much for joining Girlfriends again. Thank you for letting me. I'm happy to be here. I am thrilled to have you, and I'm I'm so grateful for your your generosity in um, wanting to share from this perspective. Maybe just um, to start our conversation, tell us a little bit about um, how you personally have been managing through this time. Yeah, it has. I mean, I think I think one of the things that's really unique about this is it is affecting all of us, you know, in different ways at different right. levels, but. Often when you go to a psychologist, you know, they're hopefully, um, or any kind of mental health person, they're hopefully pretty mellow and calm and and able to be a little bit more objective. Whereas right now, I think any of us in whatever field we're in are all feeling the same stress and anxiety of just the unknown. And so personally, I mean, 
I am definitely, I mean, I'm prone towards anxiety. Typically I'm pretty calm, um, but this has mm-hmm. definitely ramped it up. And I found myself maybe even last week or the week before in the middle of prayer time with my family. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I'm about to have a panic attack for the first time in 10 years. Oh <laughs> so right. I didn't, you know, I was able, I knew what to do and I was able to sort of get that away. But just mm-hmm. the fact that I felt that, you know, right. obviously I've been through lots of things in the past 10 years or however many years it's been since that, you know, time when mm-hmm. I had panic attacks. Um, and yet this is definitely, this has been rough. I think, yeah. And I think for all of us, you know, a hundred percent, I totally agree. And uh, I'm very much like you. I feel like I'm a pretty steady person mm-hmm. and, um, that's usually how I roll, right. Even through tough things and, you know, but I've been finding myself surprised just like you were in certain moments. Like, why am I all of a sudden about to cry? Or why yes. am I all of a sudden like needing to get out of this house right this very minute? Like, yes. you know, like why, why have I eaten a whole this... chocolate bar? Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> I, I mentioned that on the show last week. I ate way too many cookies. Like, why am I doing this? And only, you know, pausing to reflect on it once you feel sick afterwards, right? Like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> and I think it's helpful though to know that even the mental health experts are are right mm-hmm. there with us in that in that same struggle. And in some ways, it's helpful to know that this is a universal experience. Um, So maybe um, share some ideas like, okay, so you said you you felt the beginnings of a panic attack. What did you do? So in that moment, because, you know, I was already praying (laughs) You're in the middle of the rosary, perhaps I can't, you know, I can't remember exactly where we are in the prayer cycle. But um, so in that moment, actually, what I did is I did some deep breathing. And so the deep breathing that I like best, is where you inhale through your nose and then you exhale very slowly as if you were blowing out of a straw. And so that has, that helps me probably the most. Ideally, when you inhale, you bump your tummy out. So it's that diaphragmatic breathing. So you're bumping your tummy out and then you're exhaling, your tummy is going in and then you're blowing out very slowly through a straw because often with panic attacks, um, First of all, I'll just say what a panic attack is because I'm probably not the only person that's like on the verge. <laughs> and, and, and some people might be and they're not sure what it is, right? Right. Yeah. So really what a panic attack is, is it's your brain's misinterpretation of your body's signals. And so what that means is if you think about, um, so often in a panic attack, you'll feel that shortness of breath, which is what I was feeling, um, maybe sweaty, maybe racing thoughts. You might feel physically ill. Um, and often these can actually, sometimes these symptoms can lead you to go to the emergency room. Cause you might think that you're having like a heart attack or something like that. Uh-huh. So I would encourage you maybe, you know, now's not the time to go to emergency, to the emergency room unless you really physically need to be there. So right. the more we can do to, to help our anxiety, uh, the better. So if you feel those thoughts kind of racing or, and, and again, I think it's different for everybody. So for me, what's interesting is I don't often feel it. I don't often know my emotions until I feel it in my body. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that's too unusual, but some, you know, some people will have the racing thoughts or they'll have the cognitions. Um, whereas I have the feeling. And so you just have to pay attention to, um, your body and, Mm -hmm. and your thoughts and your brain to kind of slow stuff down. And so, If you know, if so I was able, because I've had these experiences before, I was able to be like, oh, this is what this is. It's not a big deal. 
I'm just going to slow my breathing down and deepen my breathing because often with anxiety, we take really shallow breaths. Mm-hmm. We're not getting that full deepness um, of breath. And that can really, um, you know, just it just it escalates the anxiety because your body feels uncomfortable when you're doing that. And so then your body is sending those signals to your brain like, oh, gosh, what's going on? Something's wrong. But if you right. were having those same feelings while you were working out, your brain would say, oh, you're working out right now. It's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. This is how you're supposed to be feeling, um, which is why your brain, which is why we call it like a misinterpretation of the body's signals. So your brain is interpreting these bodily signals as, oh, gosh, something's really wrong. When really it's just we need to calm down and take a deep breath. Right. Right. So important and so hard to do, though, to remember yeah. in the moment. But but I like that idea. And that's something I've definitely done in the past. And I think I read it described as kind of tricking your body. Your body's already mm-hmm. tricked. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's yes. like tricking your body back. Like, yep, exactly. actually, Resetting I'm calm. <laughs> like, let me send you this signal now. I'm breathing very calmly. Yes, um, exactly. So. That's that's a really helpful tip to to know. Um, how are you handling this with your kids now? You've got um, two. What are their ages? Mm-hmm. So they are nine and eight. So they are home. They typically go to a public school right around the corner, a wonderful little school. And so they're home, and we're homeschooling. Um, so in some ways, I'm excited because I've always wanted to try homeschooling, and mm-hmm. I just was sort of like, oh, it's you know, we love our little school, so you know, and I have no problems with them being there. It's a great environment. But so this is, I feel excited in some ways, you know, that this is an opportunity for me to dabble my toe in homeschooling. Right. Um, but then in practicality, you know, the, <laughs> the, la- the first, you know, my son, my eight-year-old woke up and he's ready to go at like seven o'clock and he's like, all right, I'm ready to do it. And I'm like, but I am barely blinking, you know? <laughs> right. And so the last you know, four hours of the day or four and a half hours of the day before I started talking to you was all homeschooling, which is very different Mm -hmm. than how my day typically would go. Um, And so I'm having to put writing on the back burner and I'm just a lot of time for me and the activities um, that kind of fed me have been put to the back burner, which I think is probably what's happening for most Americans, you know, most, most folks. And, um, but I feel so blessed that I was already working from home. So this mm-hmm. isn't, you know, and I work for myself. So if I don't get a project done, uh, you know, I'm okay with that. It, it's not right. ideal, but I'm okay. Um, so really, even though, I mean, I feel like in many ways we are in the best possible situation as far as, you know, we are not medical professionals and my husband is able to work from home and go in when he needs to. And I'm able to work from home and our kids are home and we have a great kind of school environment helping us virtually and, um, through all the, the things that we need to do, Mm -hmm. it's still really stressful. And so I just think about all the families where those many options are just not available. Um, Right. And my heart just really, really goes out to them. Right. Cause I mean, a lot of people are, are struggling with that juggling that I've been hearing from people who are like, I never signed up to be a homeschooler (laughs) and that was on purpose, right? Like, (laughs) And I, I totally get that. And, you know, and it's been a funny thing for me as a homeschooler to be kind of seeing people's reactions to that, because my response is like, you're not homeschooling. That's not what it is. Right. right. It's different. trying to just dive in, in the middle of something and be handed stuff from other people and try to make that happen while you're probably trying to manage working from home and your spouses and 
you know, not at all. Right. And it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also been, I mean, it's, it's interesting to me. Like it's also been a little bit educational to me, like looking at all of these things. And I'm thinking one good thing that might come out of this is mm-hmm. that these, these different kind of schooling environments and things, they might learn a greater flexibility mm-hmm. between mm-hmm. home and school and that kind of thing, which I'm a huge fan of that idea. Same with workplaces. You know, mm-hmm. if anybody at all possibly can work remotely, we are finding out about it now. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, right. Yes. No, I see. Trem- I mean, I, you know, and I think that's part of, as we're thinking about how to deal with this and how to um, cope with it, I think looking for that gratitude and looking for those silver linings. Mm-hmm. And there really are a lot. I mean, I love having the boys home. Yes, they drive right. me crazy, but they're wonderful. And I love being with them. And I love that they're getting to spend so much time with each other instead of their friends at school, you know, so that it's a, the family, you know, we're influencing them at this point, 24 seven, you know, there's really no outside influence at all. And, and that's beautiful, you know, so I love that my husband is home. Um, and you know, he's working, but he comes downstairs. And so he's home in time for dinner every night. Cause it was like a two second commute, you know, (laughs) so it's great. Um, so there really are a lot of beautiful, um, benefits about this. So Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think that's important to, to keep that in mind as we, are saying, well, I didn't sign up for homeschooling, but you know, I, I also am really excited because I get to spend that one-on-one time teaching my younger son, um, just, you know, like all the different concepts where in a, in a classroom of 18 or 22, you know, the teacher wouldn't have time to do that with him. So I'm really excited. Nice. Yeah. 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 But so I think what a lot of people are feeling are, are equal parts of what you're describing there. Like Mm -hmm. some parts are nice. Mm-hmm. And yeah. some of it we're grateful for. And then other parts are terrible and hard yeah. and yeah. anxiety producing. And I think that in itself can cause anxiety, that imbalance or like wondering, how am I supposed to feel? Or, or the back and forth between them. I saw this hilarious, I mean, it, it was a really funny video on YouTube last night. Somebody shared it with me. And it's this woman just like going back and forth between her her crazy moods, right? Both yeah. positive <laughs> and negative as she's dealing yeah. with this quarantine. But I think it's so true. Both of those are real, but that's part of how we end up feeling imbalanced, I think, in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think you're right because it is sort of I hate the word unprecedented because it's been used so much lately, but right. it is little unprecedented, at least for our generation and our parents' generation, you know, for the mm-hmm. folks who are alive now, we haven't experienced this before. And right. so it is, um, there's nobody in our life that can say, oh, this is how you react in a pandemic. <laughs> That's right. shutting down your country. Exactly. But it, yeah, I mean, I think it's, that's where we sort of have to figure it out on our own. And we also have all this, like, something else that's unprecedented with this is, yes, we have had these pandemics before, not in our generations, but we haven't had these moment to moment, like news uh, feeds, you know, and I, I think if I could maybe offer advice to anybody, it would be like, maybe turn off the news. I mean, you can know in general what's going on. Like if you're supposed to stay at home, chances are, you know, that, um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure once that is lifted, somebody's going to tell you, but <laughs> you'll you <know>? find out. <laughs> when your neighbor comes knocking on your door. Exactly. Um, But, you know, I I find, and this is where you have to kind of figure out for yourself what works for you and what doesn't, but I find that watching the news really does not help me at all. It only increases my anxiety. And if I can just, um, because we're in Florida, so it's already 
spring and summer here. So if I can just go outside, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I do so much better. And so, you know, and I know on the show, you've talked a lot about exercise and the importance of that. And, Mm -hmm. and I think going even a step further, it's if you can be in nature, be in nature, like I am such a nature girl, but there's a lot of research from a mental health and even a physical health perspective that Mm -hmm. really shows that time in nature, even it, it even increases like the speed at which we heal from surgeries. I mean, it's amazing how much just being around trees and grass and flowers helps us. And so if you got, if you live in an area where you can do that, and I know you were speaking recently on one of your shows about snowstorms and all that. So (laughs) I don't know, you know, I'm sorry for all of you that live in Canada. Yeah, no, it's nice today. We've got like 50 degrees and sun. So I will take it. Yeah, that's well. So it's like, you know, 80 here. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) A little bit different. A little bit different. A little bit different. But yeah, so if you can be outside in nature in particular and vitamin D, of course, from the sun, everybody knows that that's super important. But especially if you do live up north, you're even less likely to have, you know, the sun, shiny, warm weather. So if you have those moments that you can get outside and you can be around trees, take those moments. Oh, I totally agree. And you know, it's funny because I was just having this conversation with my husband because I had heard about this concept of grounding. Are you familiar with it? Um, Maybe. It's where it's exactly what you're describing that we we do well and our well-being is increased by contact with the natural environment. Like physical contact, like walking barefoot in the grass, that kind of thing. Yeah. And I was just, when I, when I heard just sort of in passing about this concept, it, it made so much sense to me because I feel it. Like I experienced that. And I was talking to my husband about it. He's like, oh, come on, whatever. So I went home and I like looked up that there is science that oh, completely yeah. backs that up. And like you said, speeds up the, the rate at which you heal, you know, boosts your immune system, all of these things. It's well documented. So yeah. I actually, I have that list of links handy. So I'm going to put it in the show notes for this oh, episode to convince people if yeah. you are skeptic yeah. get yeah. yourself go, out like, there literally go hug a tree <laughs> <laughs> go hug a tree it, it, it will help you feel better, better. <laughs> yes exactly I think that is, is so true so helpful right and and I love that you mentioned staying away from the news because not everybody has that reaction but I think most of us do and we yeah. live in a time where we have constant information and that alone even if it's good news can be overwhelming and anxiety producing it is and it really you know you think about um the way that news is structured, it's really to keep you watching the news, right? So you'll, mm-hmm. you'll you know, you turn it on and hours will pass, yeah. or at least for me, you know, and, and that's just, and then you turn it off and you're like, oh my gosh, like one, where is the time gone? And two, that, there, it didn't help me in any way. Like it doesn't right. help me to know what the latest numbers are because I'm not somebody, and, and so, you know, some of the listeners might be in a different situation, but I'm not somebody that's making policy decisions. And frankly, if you're making policy decisions, I hope you have a better news source than what we do. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's awful. It's just, you know, and, and they, you know, to, to, to get you hooked in, it has to be, you know, very grabbing. And I just remember, you know, Florida, we have hurricanes all the time. And so one of the news, I think it was on the weather channel. It was like last year during whatever hurricane and, the guy was like standing there blowing into the wind, like, Oh, it's this horrible storm and the rain. And then there's like people behind him walking their dog. (laughs) It's just not that bad. You got to remember that, right? It's all been, it's all been filtered and edited for drama. 
Yeah. And I, I found that just following the hurricane news from here in New Hampshire, because my son was going to school in Florida um, and I would be following it in, you know, growing in my own anxiety yeah. as I'm watching this on the right. weather channel and realized, uh, you know, this like scary little montage they put yeah. together with scary music and like, uh, that is not what I needed to be watching. And that was not helpful. And it wasn't even accurate. Like, right. Not right. So yeah, being right. discerning about your sources of information. So important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now your boys are younger, but we, I, I asked on our girlfriend's, um, podcast Facebook group. Now, side note, anyone who wants to join our Facebook group, you are a listener of the Girlfriends Podcast, so you qualify. You can join us in this private group that we have going on Facebook. You can join us at facebook.com slash Girlfriends Podcast. If you can't remember all that, just go into the show notes, which are always available at ascensionpress.com. You can get the link there. Um, but I asked some of our, our listeners there in that group for some specific questions. What's on their minds? What are you dealing with? And one of them asked specifically about dealing with teenagers during this time of quarantine. And your boys are younger now, but um, perhaps from a professional standpoint, because I think you, you did work with, with young yeah. people. Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Yes, um, yes. So what would you advise? Because I think what, and let me just look at this note from this person who's like, oh, it's saying that anxiety overrides clear thought. And now, of course, that's true for all of us, right? But mm -hmm, yeah. how many of us are trying to reason with our teenagers during this time? I know one one of my girlfriends in particular has this ongoing battle with her teenage daughter who just wants to be getting together with her friends. And there's just no, yeah. there's just no getting through. Like this is not yeah. happening right now. And it doesn't make sense. Do you have some words of advice there? Yeah. So I am actually a child psychologist. So that's what I was trained to do was work with um, kids and teenagers. So mm -hmm. I feel like I can answer the question, hopefully. But so the first thing to remember is it depends on the age of your kids. So there's thing, there is this thing called metacognition, which is our ability to think about what we're thinking about. And mm -hmm. we don't expect that to kick in until the person is like 12 years old. So if you're dealing with somebody younger than 12, you know, it's really unlikely. I mean, they could, but it's unlikely that they're going to have the insight to understand things like, um, you know, the news feed is not helping me. I need to go outside and exercise or play, um, mm -hmm. just the things that sort of coping strategies that we might be able to self-monitor ourselves as adults. We might be able to recognize, oh, this is not helping me. Talking to this particular person is not helping me. Talking to this particular person is helping me. So I need to, you know, increase time with, you know, person B and decrease time with person A. Um, and that would be like FaceTime, not like right. in-person time, <laughs> uh, but, but virtual time. Mm -hmm. um, so we, we have to remember, first of all, that they very literally have limited insight. And, and it can go on well past age 12. So it really just depends on sort of the maturity and insight of our kids. And then the other thing is that teenagers, what's interesting to them is they're very, very reward-focused and really not risk averse. So sort of the risks or the punishments that might come out of a situation don't do a lot to stop their behavior. They're really right. focused on social interaction and rewards. So both of my neighbors have teenagers and I just feel really bad for them because, and some of my good friends have teenagers and I'm like, oh my gosh, how are you guys doing this? Because of course, all they want to do is be with their friends. I right. mean, so it is a really difficult time. And I don't think there's any way to make it not difficult. I mean, I think you just have to really like lay down the, I mean, take away the keys. 
You know, they just, Mm -hmm. you have to set those physical boundaries of you just cannot do it. And I would also, you know, if you feel like, like your friend that's having the constant conversation about, no, you cannot go out. No, you cannot. Right. I mean, at some point you just having the, you just stop having those conversations. And that's something I would um, tell parents because if you think about, you don't want to get into a power struggle. And sometimes when we get into a power struggle, what's happening is we are going down to that person's level. Like we're saying by engaging in the power struggle, we're saying that they're sort of equal to us accidentally. Mm -hmm. That's what we're saying. And so, you know, if you've, if you've said that a couple of times, as I'm sure your friend has said it many times, don't say it again. It's just that conversation. It's been heard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and it's, I wish I had better advice for, for dealing with teens right now, because I feel like that has got to just be exhausting. And then if you have a teenager that's anxiety prone and they don't know, you know, not just the news, but the different social media feeds that could be increasing. So, you know, anxiety and Mm -hmm. certain friends that might be making it worse or, you know, it just, and they might not, the thing, the other thing that's interesting to me about anxiety and depression is they're kind of like black holes that want to suck you in. It's almost like they have a life of their own Mm -hmm. and they really do want they seem to want to keep you anxious and depressed. And so it makes you not want to do the things that would help you to feel better. So, you know, if you're feeling depressed and all you want to do is sleep in a dark room, well, that's going to make you more depressed. You know, it's this, right. it's this really vicious cycle of this double-edged sword. And so it's really about, um, and it's hard enough as adults, but as teens, you know, making them understand here's the things that you need to do to feel better. And these activities are not going to help you feel better. And Mm -hmm. we have to, as their parents kind of act as their frontal lobe, you know, act as that front of their brain that can help them um, think through things and be a little bit more rational because, you know, teenagers are, they were sort of what I, what I really enjoy, who I really enjoy working with that population. And so, I mean, they're wonderful. It's a wonderful developmental time period, but it's really, really complicated as far as, they do feel emotions so much more and they do feel mm-hmm. that social isolation so much more and they're not particularly rational, you know, and it, right. it's not their fault, but that's where they are. And so one, I think as a parent, be patient with them as best as you possibly can, but then, you know, physically the boundaries have to be there. You, the car keys probably have to just be hidden. Or, you right. Know, I know my neighbor's kid snuck out. He's like, I don't know where he went. <laughs> that's oh great, buddy. You know, oh but my gosh. yeah. 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 Oh yeah. That's, that's really helpful to hear. I know I've been, I've been struggling with that with my own, you know, kids that are teenage years here. And one of the things I found is that it's, it's kind of a funny thing that all of a sudden I feel more like they're, they're toddlers rather than teens yeah. in some ways, because they need me to be making these decisions for yes. them. Right. Like now it's time for outdoors, right? Now it's time for lunch. Now it's time, you know, in a way that in the, in normal times, they don't need me to do that, right? But they're needing that kind of imposed structure and boundaries. Well, in a normal times, they might have that just imposed. You know, I know some of your kids are homeschooled and some of your kids are at school. And right. so they might have some of that structure kind of imposed naturally from the outside environment. And I know that's that's another really big part of all of this is, we do have to have structure and routine and and it can look different for every family. Um, Mm -hmm. But if we don't have that, then I think our kids are going to feel even more 
anxious. So like we have kept our kind of nightly prayer time exactly the same and our bedtime exact, you know, at least for the kids, exactly the same. Um, and so that I think has helped them to feel like this is not that weird. You know, we're still, Mm -hmm. still kind of normal. Um, but I think you're right. And I think in times of stress, we all sort of revert back a little bit. So even mm-hmm. though we know what we should be doing, we don't always do it. And so, right. <laughs> yeah. And so as mom, I mean, a lot really rides on us as far as just the whole state of the household has mm-hmm. been my limited experience with only parenting two children. But it's like, it's a lot on our shoulders as far as we have to, um, we do have to act as kind of that frontal lobe for the whole house. Like we have to be yeah. the ones organizing and planning and, and making sure that the structures and routines are followed the way that, that we know is helpful for our family. Right. Well, let's talk about that because we did get a question from um, one listener who said, um, what can help when we uh, help for us strong women who are trying to keep it all together for our family at home, at work, team, business, et cetera. What about in those tough days where we feel weak and we just want to cry and we can't because the kids are watching? Like, what, I get it, right? And yeah. it can be really hard to have to play that role. Do you have some words of advice for, I'm sure many of our listeners are doing exactly that most days these days. So it's not bad for your kids to see you cry. Now, if you're going to have a full on, like the world is ending kind of cry, that might be best saved <laughs> for the bathroom. <laughs> Go in the bathroom, go in the closet, lock the door and have yep. a cry. If you're going to just have a, I am frustrated and I'm exhausted and, you know, I just don't know what's happening, you know, sort of a, it's okay. It's good. Actually, it's really good to show your kid, uh, kids emotion. I mean, they, mm-hmm. and they have to see you do that right. and then you're okay. I mean, we all feel better after we cry. Right. And so. Right then you kind of pick yourself back up and you go back to helping them with math, you know, or whatever it is, um, or your job or, you know, so it's, first of all, it's not bad that your children see you cry. It's actually a really good thing when your children see you cry. Um, and then it's really like, well, how do you handle it afterwards? I mean, you could certainly talk to them afterwards about, you know, like I was just mommy was, was, I feel overwhelmed. Do you ever feel overwhelmed? I mean, The other thing that's really important about children and adolescents is giving them emotional vocabulary, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, helping them understand this mommy was doing this behavior because I was feeling this, you know, like I was crying because I was feeling so overwhelmed or, you know, I'm scared because there's a lot of unknowns right now. And, and I would be careful about what all you say, you know, so if your children are very young, you know, you don't want to say something like, you know, well, grandma and grandpa are at risk because, you know, right. I mean, we're all at risk really, but grandma and grandpa are at higher risk or, um, but you know, your teenagers, absolutely. You have those conversations with them and you tell them mm-hmm. the truth. Um, but then I think you, it is important that you take, if, if at all possible, take a few minutes for yourself. And I would encourage, you know, maybe prayer time, or maybe just you sit, um, maybe you take a bubble bath. If you're a bubble bath person, you know, you just somehow mm-hmm. take a few minutes for yourself if possible every day. And that's something I think that we very much, I mean, I've certainly put that on the back burner. I think we all put that yeah. on the back burner, but, but it will help us. So I know, for instance, if I can write just a few minutes, like 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes a day, I am so much nicer to my family, you know, and I, so I, re- 
It's a gift you give them. It's a gift I give them. That's right. By writing. (laughs) And so we, but we have to think about that and we have to prioritize that. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would, I would encourage that. And then if you are going to have the world is ending kind of cry, then yeah, go in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) You feel one of those coming on. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that's, the thing to remember right now is you are not alone. I mean, even though what's so strange about this is we are having to be physically, you know, isolated, right. but, but we're not alone and everybody is feeling this. So there's nothing wrong with you if you feel like you just can't take it right now. So yeah, absolutely. And, and again, maybe wait till the kids are in bed or, mm-hmm. or whatever, but that's, oh, that's okay. such sound advice. And and I love that you, you say it's okay. And it's actually a good thing sometimes for the kids to see you cry because mm-hmm. I, I, I know from my, my own experience growing up that it was a very rare thing that I ever saw that. And, mm-hmm. um, I, I think it could be really helpful for, for mm-hmm. kids to just see that as a normal part of doesn't be, have to be happening every single day throughout your childhood, but, right. um, yeah. you know, that's probably not, that's normal. not ideal, right. <laughs> but, um, where it happens occasionally and you talk about it and you give them that, that information, like, here's how I was feeling. And that's why that happened. And here's how I'm dealing with it now. And I think that's a really wonderful thing to be able to give to your kids. Um, but so important too to remember to be taking that time for you, even if it's just a 20 minute walk, sometimes that just can change your whole mindset and you'll, you know, come back feeling better from it. So very important. Now I want to talk though about marriage as well, because I think marriages are uniquely stressed by this situation, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. cause we're all focused on the kids and their schooling and all of that. Right. But then we've got spouses who are figuring out how to work from home together who normally aren't doing that, you know, together 24 <laughs> seven, like, issues are going to come into play here, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually where I, I feel most. So the, the clients that I used to work with often have very volatile home lives, you know, and that Mm -hmm. was just kind of the nature of, I worked with, um, young women and young girls in the juvenile justice system or at risk for entering that system. And so there was just often a lot of kind of unhealth and violence. And so honestly, that's where my heart is right now Mm -hmm. is just thinking about, folks in those situations who already going into this, their home was not the place that was the ideal place for them to be, you know? So it's very easy for me. You know, I, I have, I'm pretty good, you know, like we are a pretty stable family. And so it's, I don't, there's no violence, you know, nobody's hitting anybody, nobody's screaming at anybody. Most of the time (laughs) they're screaming (laughs) is from me (laughs) to them. But for the most part, it's a pretty, it's a pretty healthy environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do, I feel really bad or not bad even, but just my heart is going out to those in domestic violence relationships or other violent or other relationships. And you add to that the possibility of people being laid off of work. And so you've got the right. financial strain. You do have the strain of like all the coping mechanisms of maybe you normally would just, you know, here you could drive out to the beach or something like that, you know, just to get right. away. And you can't, you can't do that now. So, um, I, I think that's a huge issue. And I think just, you know, for those of us and maybe the, in, in healthy relationships, it is stressful. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's, you know, I know I feel just a little bit of like, well, you get to go to work every day, but I don't get to go to work. <laughs> like, right. I take care of the kids. You're like, this yep. is hard, you know? And, but I'm grateful at the same time. And that sort of, of like that wishy-washy 
imbalance of like, well, right. am I grateful or am I kind of frustrated <laughs> or jealous? You know, um, right. it's tough. But I think this is a wonderful opportunity also to grow in our marriages and in our families and to to really engage with the people that you live with because often we are so focused externally um, and not necessarily in a bad way, but even right. just can have a lot of meetings at church, you know, and now it's like, well, those are all canceled. So you're meeting with your family, you know, you're engaging with your family. We're having every meal together for the most part, um, which is great. But at the same time, it's like, well, but I used to listen to podcasts when I ate lunch, like my routine right. is off, you know? So right. You know, and, and it's just, it's being patient with ourselves, being patient with our spouses, being patient with our kids and hoping and praying that they're going to be patient with us, Mm -hmm. um, apologizing to each other when we lose it, because we're all losing it. I mean, you just, you know, you have to go in later and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have reacted that way. And hoping, you know, that, that they understand. Right. That's, that's a great point because I think, you know, just acknowledging we're, we're going to mess up, right? Yeah. This is going to be a hard thing. Everybody's going to mess up, but then look at it, not as a reason to despair because you messed right. up, but an opportunity to model the appropriate behavior. Like here's how you apologize, right? right. Here's how we offer right. each other mercy inside of these, these difficult moments. Um, really important to do. Um, okay. Well, one last question from one of our listeners and um, is dealing with grief and loss and separation. So I'm going to just group these few different questions into one kind of topic. Maybe we can take on here because many of us, first of all, we're, we're dealing with this excessive closeness, right? Which we just mm-hmm. talked about on the one hand, but then excessive isolation and separation on the other hand, like you mentioned grandma, right? She maybe doesn't live with you. Maybe she's in a senior center. You can't go in and visit. And then there are large numbers of people who are losing people, maybe to COVID-19, but for other reasons, losing family members. I, in the past week, um, found out through Facebook that a childhood friend of mine died from cancer and I'm not able to go to that funeral, right? Like how do we process this kind of grief, this kind of separation, this kind of loss and the extra stress that it puts on our relationships? Yeah. I mean, that is so true. I mean, that is, um, I think probably one of the most tragic parts of all of this is the idea of people potentially dying without loved ones there or Mm -hmm. um, not being able to have kind of a funeral service or, you know, I mean, so one, you acknowledge that this is really tragic. I mean, this is really, really upsetting. And this, this is one of those moments where you have those, you know, full out cries. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just, you feel that pain. I mean, so that's part of it is often we, we don't want to feel the pain. There's nothing wrong with feeling pain, right? We have to, we have to accept it and we have to feel it. And so we have to mourn that loss if somebody has passed away. Um, and, and I do think it's really important that we do have in some way a service for that person. Cause I have, you know, through life and through work, um, and met with people who were not able to go to the funeral of a loved one. And it, it really, um, it did not, they did not have closure on that death. And so, you know, it might not be that we can go to a funeral right now and it, and it would depend on who this person is. So obviously you you lost a childhood friend. Well, the funeral won't be postponed for for you, you know, it'll be, Mm -hmm. but if it is somebody like a parent or somebody that has passed away, um, and you can potentially, I mean, maybe you go ahead and have, 
if, if obviously if it's a burial and it's not a cremation or whatever, but if it's, if it is a cremation and you potentially, you could postpone that service and, and have, or even meet with your pastor later, um, you know, maybe in the summer and you have some, I, I do think you need to have some kind of service for the person where people can really gather that, that just provides so much closure. And it's something that worldwide and culture wide throughout history, you know, we have done that and we need to do that. That is a huge part of, you know, our bereavement process is, is having a way to say goodbye. And when that gets disrupted, then the bereavement process really gets disrupted. So one acknowledge mm-hmm. that this is just, it. I mean, it's just really awful. And then two, do what you can to, um, you know, have some sort of immediate closure of maybe you write a letter to the person. I mean, I, it's, it would be between you and the relationship of that person, you know, like who is this person to you and how do you say goodbye to them and what would be a meaningful way that you could privately say goodbye to them. But Mm -hmm. then I do still think there needs to be some type of public goodbye so that other people can gather and, and that you can see, you know, especially if it is somebody who's very close to you, um, part of the process of, of funerals, I think, is people offering you their condolences for your loss. And I think that's very painful. Right. And so, you know, I, I, I think that does need to happen. It just might not be able to happen right this moment. And you are, you're hearing of that all the time of, you know, people passing away and not being able to have a funeral service right now. And, um, right. and so there's no real, I mean, there's all sorts of different ways that you could, you know, you could, um, journal, you could send up like the little balloon thing in the air with your note goodbye to them. I mean, there's beautiful mm-hmm. ways that you can kind of say goodbye to them. Um, right. and again, it's just going to depend on that relationship. And then right. if you think about maybe our parents or grandparents in assisted living facilities and things like that, and you really, you can't go to them, um, and I'm just thinking about just visiting. So, you know, hopefully they're not sick, but I mean, I would just maybe encourage more phone calls, more letter writing, especially from kids, um, mm-hmm. videos, you know, sending videos to them and, and just doing the best to connect virtually. Now that's tricky if they, they maybe cognitively can't do that. Right. Um, and then you're really worried about like, well, how are they doing? Like I can't check on them. So how are they doing? And and maybe then that's where you communicate with the nursing staff or the um, assisted living staff to say, you know, I know that my mom or dad is not going to to know that I'm, you know, video conferencing with them, but I need to see how they're doing. Can you please do this right. for me and hold up your phone so that I can have a sort of a conversation with them? And um, so we are, we just have to get a little bit more creative mm-hmm. and acknowledge the pain of the situation that this right. is. you know, when bad things happen, we want to gather together. And so this is very counterintuitive for all of us, (laughs) you know, going in the opposite direction of kind of how we would typically handle a a catastrophe, I guess, or a major event. No, I think that's, that's one of the the hugest problems, right? That Mm -hmm. we're feeling, feeling exactly that. And for those of us who are Catholic, like leaning on the sacraments and many mm-hmm. of us have limited access to the sacraments yeah. and um, maybe you can get to a drive through confession, but um, really 
really hard, but I, what I'm hearing you saying, I think is so true that, you know, it's recognizing what you can do, doing those things that you can do, but at the same time, recognizing the limitations of this time we're living through and that it's, it's just a hard thing. Yeah. And I think often that's where we are. Like we, what I have found often with clients is like the biggest thing is helping them understand that what they are experiencing, like internally is not weird, you know, like right. this, your feelings right now are completely appropriate. And I think most of us know that, you know, I think if you've watched any, like you said, any like videos or whatever that are often like joking around, but right. everybody's acknowledging like, this is a really difficult, stressful time. Mm -hmm. Um, we know that what we're feeling is appropriate, but I think it is helpful to be reminded and just to accept that, you know, it's hard. And I would say like specifically as Catholics, like we know suffering as part of life, you know, we were never guaranteed or even remotely promised a life without suffering. And so right. it's just kind of the way it goes, which is unfortunate. But I mean, I think it's, we have to accept that, you know, and, and I think our generations, um, you know, maybe those in like their seventies and eighties might have experienced maybe more kind of worldwide suffering than, than we have experienced, but mm -hmm. we have to just kind of deal with it, you know, which we're not yeah. used to having to do. We're used to having fairly instant gratification and, and the ability really to do whatever we want to do for the most part. And so right. This is a very interesting time for us, but it's a time for growth. I think, I mean, it can be a time for tremendous growth if we, if we allow that to happen. Right. That's a hopeful sentiment right there. I love that. Well, um, do you have any final thoughts you want to share with somebody in a general sense on how they're getting through the quarantine or, or some, something that's occurred to you in recent weeks um, before we have to wrap up here, Jacqueline? I would say that this is temporary, you know, and so this is not, you know, so like for me with my writing, I have, you know, my schedule that I want to do and that's been disrupted and that's okay. And so I think most people, um, yes, everybody has a job to do. Most employers are being hopefully very understanding and patient as we are all navigating this together and they understand like, you know, Perhaps you're not going to get as much done during the hours of nine to five. And so maybe okay. your hours, you know, change a little bit. Maybe they're later in the evenings or maybe they're a little bit on the weekend. I mean, obviously it depends on what you do for a living. But so this is temporary and remembering that this is temporary and remembering that like right now to me, the days are going really slow. <laughs> I don't know how other people feel, but I'm like, for Man. sure. <laughs> They lasted for at least three days, you know? Yes, um, that's yeah. But, but it's not really like we haven't, this has not been going on for six months, you know, right. in the United States, we've been dealing with this for less than a month. And so it's, it's, it is long, but it is not that long and it is not the end of the world. So I think we just, we remain hopeful. We remain smiling. We know that God is with us. I mean, he has us, it's going to be okay. And it might be different, but it's, it's going to be okay. And that he can bring good out of every single situation and that he will bring good and that we know that this would not be happening if there was not a way for tremendous good to come out of it. And so in some ways I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens. What, what is the good that will come out of all of this? Right. Right. Let's, let's be hopeful in that way. I think that's a really great way to look at it. 
Um, and if people want to learn more about Jacqueline Brown, who has been my guest today, you can go to Jacqueline-Brown.com. That's Jacqueline, J-A-C-Q-U-E-L-I-N-E-Brown.com. And um, so you can find out more about her other side. She put on her psychologist hat for us today, but she's also an author in the Catholic fiction series, The Light Series. So you can check that out. I'll also link in the show notes to the other episode where Jacqueline was sharing about her writing work. Jacqueline, thank you so much for so generously coming on with Girlfriends today and sharing your expertise. I'm so grateful. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Coming up, I'm going to be sharing a listener question about attending Mass online. But first, we have a quick break. Don't go anywhere. I'm Danielle Bean, and you are listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. And if you're looking for a way to learn more about your Catholic faith, I invite you to check out the Ascension Presents YouTube channel. You're going to find tons of free videos featuring Catholic presenters like Matt Frad, Leah Darrow, Jackie and Bobby Angel, and Emily Wilson. Go to youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. That's youtube.com slash Ascension Presents. And if you like what you see, please share and subscribe. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I usually share some listener feedback. And this week I heard from listener Marion, who wrote in, Dear Danielle, I am a longtime listener to your podcast, and I'm wondering if you could talk about the idea of watching the Mass on TV. I have to admit, I am not that into it. I inevitably get distracted, and I'm not even sure how much I should be requiring my kids, ages one to seven, to pay attention to it. I kind of almost feel like it gives them the wrong idea about mass and maybe even reinforces bad behavior and distraction. There are so many hard things about this time of being quarantined. I'm not sure that going to mass this way is helping me or my family. What are your thoughts, Marion? Okay. Well, I think this is a very interesting question because for sure the mass is now being live streamed. Maybe even your local parish is live streaming it onto Facebook or some other um, place these days and or on YouTube. And you can, you know, go to mass with Bishop Barron or um, the Catholic celebrity priest of your choosing. So, I mean, there are all these ways um, that the Mass is available, even through um, uh, Ascension on their their Facebook page. I've been enjoying some of those as well. Um, but first and foremost, I want to tell you, Marion, if you feel like this is not spiritually beneficial to you, you don't need to do it. You absolutely don't need to do it. So we've all been dispensed, right, during this unusual time um, from the obligation to attend weekly Mass. And um, that is not replaced with an obligation to attend a, a virtual Mass because, as we know, that's not the same thing, right? It's not the same thing. And I think that's what you're feeling, Marion, and I completely understand it. I've experienced some of that myself. It's not the same thing. And um, so you don't have to do it. And so I'm, I'm giving you permission right now to relieve you of whatever guilt maybe you're feeling that you you need to be doing this. But find something that does work for you. It might be a different kind of prayer that you would do together as a family. Um, it might be, and I know some families that do this, just reading the readings yourself. Um, for Mass and um, doing that together as a family, doing it you individually or in whatever way is age appropriate for your kids, um, finding ways that you can do that, maybe just praying the psalm together. Um, there, there are you know, all kinds of ways that we can pray together as a family, and they don't have to include tuning into 
a digital version of the mass. I, I completely understand what you are saying. And I think many of us are struggling in that way. And that is part of the sacrifice. That is part of, part of what we're all kind of struggling with during this time is we're not experiencing um, our, our spirituality in the same ways. We're not experiencing worship in the same ways. And we're being called to give up some of the things that we really hold precious, that are really important to us, that are really um, spiritually nurturing for us. And we're, we're being called to give those things up and maybe explore something new that's not going to be so comfortable. Um, but that doesn't mean if something's not working for you that you have to do it, right? So like I said, there's absolutely no obligation to be doing it. If you don't feel like it's a good spiritual tool for you and your family, find a different one. Find something that is going to work. And it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be fancy. But um, for sure, this is an opportunity for us to not forget about Mass and forget about praying altogether, but to find a way that worshiping inside of your domestic church makes sense and is fitting for you and your family, for your temperaments, for your preferences, for your schedules, figuring out what that's going to look like. And it's going to look different for everybody. So I hope that's helpful, Marion. If you have a question or an idea for a future topic that you'd like me to take up here on the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can always contact me, Danielle at DanielleBean.com. Love to be able to connect with you through email. Love it even more if you record a voicemail and you can do that easily through voice memo on your phone and send it to me at that email address. Love all the ways that we're able to connect, but most especially here through the podcast. So I want to thank you for being here today. Thank you for being a part of today's show. If you enjoy Girlfriends, I want to encourage you to share it with a friend. You can do that easily on social media. You can do it just by word of mouth, telling somebody that you enjoy the show, because if you enjoy it, chances are somebody else in your life will enjoy it as well. And that is a wonderful way that we are able to build up and grow our community here at Girlfriends. So thank you for being here and I look forward to connecting with you again next week. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation.